0: Welcome to Critical Thinking, Critical Issues. I'm Rupert Watson. Today, I'm joined by Lizzie Payne and Matt Scott, and we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies and digital finance. Lizzie, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your role at Mercer, and then Matt, uh, could you do the same, please?
1: Thanks, Rupert, and thanks for having me today. My name is Elizabeth Payne. I'm a Senior Investment Consultant in Mercer's Australian Business, My main role is working with university endowments and what we call superannuation, which the rest of the world calls defined contribution schemes, with their investment strategy and manager selection. I've also had experience presenting on cryptocurrency um, at one of Mercer's global investment forums. And around the same time of that presentation, which was back in 2018, was also um, coincided with the publication of our first cryptocurrency paper by my colleague Matt, which is called Fool's Gold or the Future.
2: Yeah, thanks, Lizzie. So, I I think that's still very much an open question, whether it's uh, Fool's Gold or the Future. Uh, So, yeah, I did... um, write that paper and um, part of my role within the global strategic research team is to research crypto assets and decentralized finance um my most recent paper is on nfts or what they call non-fungible tokens so if anyone fancies a, a good good read or you know <laughs> indeed is suffering from insomnia uh, please please pick that up uh and also uh, put the, the rest of my role is really dedicated to looking into, you know, what, what I might call niche or novel investment ideas.
0: Okay, well, thank you both. And as everyone is aware, we've seen huge increases in the price of Bitcoin. Uh, and indeed, anyone who bought in around the time of your first paper, Matt, uh, will, have, will have performed very well. Uh, and the total value of all cryptocurrencies is now over a trillion, a trillion dollars. Uh, In a related development, and particularly over the last 12 months, has been a flood of money into decentralised finance operations, uh, or DeFi for short. Um, As the name suggests, DeFi applications hope to enable peer-to-peer financial activity, uh, cutting out the banks uh, and other sort of middlemen. Uh, Matt, perhaps I could start with you, and perhaps you could give a a background to the rise of cryptocurrencies.
2: Uh, Sure. So... Cryptocurrencies really started with Bitcoin in two thousand and nine, and it it was it was really a reaction to the global financial crisis. So, Bitcoin project started as a, a kind of libertarian movement, or you might even say an anarchist movement, by people who were dissatisfied with the with the money printing and the socialization of debt that that happened as a response to the GFC. So, the point of crypto was really to cut out. A central source of money, such as a central bank, and re- remove the the middlemen. You know that the high street banks and just just have it dem- democratize money essentially. So the total supply of these new digital coins would would be limited, and indeed the sort of total supply of Bitcoin is is still limited today. I think it's fair to say though that the genius somewhat sort of left the bottle. Uh, We've now got around uh, 6,000 digital currencies and increasing all the time. Many of them are sort of absurd. Some of them are ingenious and often they now tend to have very different aims to those of, of the original
0: project of Bitcoin. Yeah, well, I, I'm certainly I'm thinking of launching Watson coin, um, which like Bitcoin, like <laughs> it, Bitcoin probably, probably it. Exists, it probably already exists, Rupert, probably already exists. No, no, I no, Well, I, I think I've copyrighted. So Watson coin with a very limited supply. And on least at day one, I'll, I'll own the lot of it. So we'll see what happens. If you see him in the Caribbean, you'll know, you know, it's gone well. Um, but as I understand it, cryptos can be broadly categorized into several different purposes. Uh, and we're going to focus on 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 three of them. Um, Bitcoin and some others, which um, uh, uh, see themselves as a store of value. Ether and some others, which are also uh, seen as a store of value, but are also a necessary and integral part of DeFi applications. And then stable coins, which are effectively the crypto cash in a DeFi world, um, perhaps, Lizzie, you could talk a little bit about Bitcoin, uh, and in particular, uh, once you've sort of given an introduction, whether you think it is a good store of value, um, and I'm not asking you for a forecast of the Bitcoin price in 20 years' time, um, but some indication of, of whether you think it's any good or not, or, un, or you'd, you're allowed to say you don't really know.
1: Thanks, Rupert. I think uh, if I knew what the price was going to be in 20 years' time, I'd probably be on that Caribbean island with you, maybe the island next to you. (laughs) But uh, Bitcoin is really, I guess, the OG or the original gangster of cryptocurrencies. Um, Apart from, I guess, a bit of a wobble in 2018 um, and what we've seen the past couple of months, it really does account for about half of the market value in cryptocurrency assets. I guess looking at a bit of the history of Bitcoin, though, um, the technology came about um, in the 90s, um, linked to I guess, email spam filters, aiming to try and I guess, stop spam emails bombarding um, servers. And so that idea was a concept called proof of work um, to make sending a server to do a piece of work in order to successfully com- uh, send an email. So, I guess, in the um concept of Bitcoin, proof of work, I guess, is this quite significant or monumental process um, of trying to, um, I guess, guess uh, correctly um, a very large number by these quite massive computers. Um, and as we see more transactions being completed on the blockchain, um, where that blockchain gets longer and stronger, uh, that guessing gain gets exponentially more difficult, which means, I guess, as a consequence, we see a significant increase in the, in the size um, and the strength of the computers required to mine Bitcoin. And that really is one of, I guess, the strengths and also weaknesses in Bitcoin, particularly as, as compared to some other crypto assets. Um, it's becoming more onerous, um, particularly as we're, we're getting closer to that 19 mil of the 21 million of the finite Bitcoins that are to be created. And that's really kind of linking to that significant amount of energy, which we'll probably talk about shortly. I guess as to Bitcoin being a store of value, um, I think it's probably more a speculation um, and it's probably something that will be more desirable as we see Oh, as as we get closer to that twenty one million, um, I don't think it's something that stores value as such. But I, th- I think what it, what it really does is um, it's a it's a bit of a novel thing to have, and probably something nice to talk about over uh, at a dinner party.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I think the the novelty value it still really runs very strong with uh, Bitcoin. Um, my boss once remarked to me that I thought, you know, quite good insight that uh, Bitcoin was really a combination of a new type of currency and, and social media. So for a lot of people, investing in Bitcoin has been a hobby and one where they found a very welcoming online community. Uh, you know, they've gone various forums like Reddit and 4chan, you know, it's somewhere to belong um, and it's somewhere where other people will will sort of G you on and they'll re- reinforce the discipline of never selling or you, in internet parlance, this sort of diamond hands, which I think, you know, Rupert may may refer to as market manipulation. Um, so I think the the problem with Bitcoin is that there's been this social media driven mania and that's just dis- distracted from the original purpose, which was really about democratizing money now most people instead of discussing the future of money they just talk about the price they just it, it, it's a continuous focus on the bitcoin price and when that's happening in markets it, it's always dangerous and i think it, it's probably a bubble signal
0: okay and i will go back to uh, market manipulation because i think uh, in relation to uh uh, Bitcoin and DeFi applications generally, uh, is if they do uh, take off and uh, start producing the goods in, in some sectors, uh, then they will need to be regulated in the same way that traditional finances, both from a a conduct a business perspective, but also a prudential perspective as well. But before we before we get there, um, I think that it's interesting to say. Uh, I see that there are lots of developments beyond Bitcoin, um, and uh, um, but I must confess uh, I remain sceptical. Uh, but we will see um, now, Lizzie. Outside of Bitcoin, um, the, with, there's obviously lots of activity in the decentralized finance area. Um, what's going on there? And perhaps just start off by telling us what is decentralized finance all about, uh, and what problem or issue is it trying to solve?
1: Thanks, Rupert. I guess decentralized finance is really a, a trustless system, in in some sense. Um, but it's looking at, at ways in which we can um, provide peer to peer banking um, without the need of a traditional bank if you want to call it that. Um, And so what we're seeing um, in the banking system is these kind of decentralized apps um, being laid onto um, what we could say is a more traditional blockchain. And in most cases, we're seeing it on the Ethereum platform. But I think what's most striking about um, DeFi apps is particularly how quickly it's grown in the past 12 months um it's gone from virtually nothing to uh, about 54 billion dollars in total value that's kind of locked into defi applications
0: um okay yeah so as you say a huge amount of huge amount of money um i suppose the question for me is is you know what is the problem it is trying to solve um so matt perhaps you could give me an example of something that a defi application either can solve now or will solve in the future?
2: Okay, Rupert. So I I think what I would say is that uh, uh, decentralized finance is not necessarily trying to solve new problems. It's trying to solve the same problems that that you would have if you went to the traditional banking system. You might want to FX some money f- to, to go on holiday. There, there'll be a spread on that. You might want to deposit some money and have an interest rate on, on that, or you, you might want to go and buy your lunch with, with a credit card. So all, all the problems are exactly the same. The critical question is whether decentralized finance can come in and dis- disrupt that i think and you do have to look at this on a on a service by service basis it's pretty clear for example that you you wouldn't buy your lunch with bitcoin the transaction would would take you know somewhere around 10 minutes and you would the transaction fee would be more than your actual lunch costs i think though there are definitely areas of competitiveness. Uh, cross-border payments is one. You can get really good interest rates on cryptocurrency deposits as well, the, the type of interest rates that um, savers in the traditional banking system haven't in, in enjoyed for a long time. So I think that's really the key is to assess two different finance systems and what what each of them may be able to offer. I think decentralised banks definitely have a lower uh, cost base and less infrastructure to maintain. But I think, as we uh, alluded to, regulation is is going to be really important. Uh, At the moment, the sector is not
0: really regulated at all, but uh, regulators could definitely come in and crush it. Um, I mean, on the topic of regulation and regulators coming in and crushing it, I mean, I think regulators... Well, necessarily, the goal won't necessarily be to crush it, but the goal will be to, uh, you know, ensure that there is investor protection. And if I, you know, me as Rupert, I have a bank account with with whoever I have a bank with, um, and then I have a share dealing account and I have um, some other, uh, you know, some investments and pensions and whatever, and they're hel- held through various platforms, uh, and if something happens—fraud or whatever it might be—then I can go after the uh, uh, the provider, uh, and I'm in, in, in for my bank account. I'm covered by deposit protection. Um, I think ultimately, if DeFi uh, is enormously successful, then that that will have to be brought under that particular wing, um, which presumably will nullify the whole point to it in the first place. Or am I being harsh? Uh,
2: so I, I think you're exactly right. Uh, pe- pe- people people need re- recourse if uh, thing, things go wrong with their with their banking, and I think we we have seen that one of the features of transacting on on, on the blockchain is that transactions tend to be pretty irreversible. Uh, you and in and indeed. You know, both sectors will have banking scams, but it's pretty easy to to get scammed out of cryptocurrency. I think it, it does it does remain the case. I think that you could see increased uh, potential for competitiveness in in the DeFi in the DeFi world. And I think the, the cost based point that I made it is is very important. It, it it looks like it could be very much cheaper to 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 run a decentralized finance system than than it is to to run a centralized one. Of course, this is all very speculative at the moment. We're, we're really just seeing the the baby steps for the these applications at the moment.
0: Okay, and then uh, Lizzie, we touched at the beginning, or you touched on on the energy usage side uh, around Bitcoin, which obviously uh, has got a lot of attention, given the vast amounts of energy that Bitcoin mining uses up. Um, wh- wh- what are your thoughts on that? And what are your and what are also importantly what are clients saying about that?
1: That's right, Rupert. We are seeing a lot of clients talking about it a lot more, and I think that really comes back to. Um, the amount of energy that, that we're seeing being consumed by the Bitcoin network. Um, so we are seeing about double the amount of energy consumption um, by the Bitcoin network than 12 months ago. So that's quite a significant development. And that comes back to what I was talking about earlier about that proof of work concept and the way that transactions are being made, um, that it's um, getting more and more difficult, which requires more and more energy um, to be consumed by these comp- these computers to complete the transactions. I guess as a comparison um, on the amount of consumption of, of energy that Bitcoin is using at the moment, it's about the same as the country of Norway on an annual basis. In comparison, though, to what we see with more traditional transactions, the likes of using Visa or MasterCard, it's consuming... About 10, the equivalent to about 10,000 Visa transactions for one single Bitcoin transaction. So that's quite a significantly more just, just to, to complete that transaction with Bitcoin. We are though seeing, I guess, a bit more of a positive um, development and that comes back to that the concept of that proof of work um, which requires that significant amount of energy is looking at Other ways of completing those transactions. So, another concept's called proof of stake. Um, And that's something that we're seeing is is going underway for the Ethereum blockchain. Um, So, their one, well, their their three kind of key goals at the moment is to become more scalable. So, be able to complete more transactions, to become more secure, um, which you were talking a bit about the hacking, for example, and also become more sustainable. And so, that's under their, their vision of ETH 2.0, and that's largely going to be achieved by um, moving from a proof of work to a proof of stake. And what that really means um, is that rather than, I guess, miners looking at creating this guessing game of of identifying the correct number, is that these validators are going to be on the network placing sizable holdings of their own money, so having some skin in the game, um, which is almost like an escrow account. Um, and so if they do the wrong thing, if they're hacking or are um, transacting or completing transactions in bad faith, um, that that money can be erased. And so that's a kind of a, quite a positive development where we're not Going to be seeing, I guess, a, a, that level of competition between miners, um, but also um, see a significant and then, reduction and then, and of then, expectation. Matt, can, can 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 Bitcoin
0: change? I mean, could could there be a situation in ten years' time, say, or five years' time, uh, where Bitcoin is still essentially Bitcoin, but it has moved from? Let me get this right. Uh, from proof of work to uh, uh, proof of um, the other one that you're going to remind me of?
1: Stake.
0: Proof of stake, stake. yeah. That's so though there's, there's definitely
2: scope for any cryptocurrency to change beyond recognition. There they are, after all, software projects, and you have a developer community that's very enthusiastic that's associated with that software project. I think, though, in, in real in more real terms, if you if I'm trying to sort of read the tea leaves, there seems to be much more of an inertia from the Bitcoin community. Uh, a few have simply tried to greenwash away the problems in, inherent in, in proof of work. You know, this pr- protocol that causes so much uh, electricity waste. So whilst there definitely are projects underway to increase transaction efficiency on the Bitcoin blockchain, my my view is that these are still pretty marginal efforts. And you have to remember that Bitcoin's strength has really been in its fidelity to to the original concept. So for, from my point of view i I don't see it likely to to change or get significantly you, you know to be a green asset anytime soon.
0: So, so, so base cases, its energy use will go up.
2: I, it doubled. It, it doubled, uh, or j- it very close to doubled, over the last year. So, uh, I would expect to see, uh, unfortunately, a, a, a lot more sort of coal burnt and a lot more energy y- used on on Bitcoin blockchain.
0: Okay. And then, Lizzie, uh, uh, you obviously speak to a lot of clients in Australia, Mercer clients in Australia, across a broad range of uh, uh, topics and issues. Um, does cryptocurrency and DeFi come up much in conversation? Uh, are any clients invested?
1: We do definitely get a lot of questions, Rupert. Um, it's probably one of those headline kind of comments that we hear, particularly because it's, it's in the news quite a lot, as well as we've seen quite a strong um, appreciation in the price, particularly Bitcoin. But what we've kind of found through these conversations and a lot of the, the, uh, the research papers that uh, we've published is that clients very much, I guess, are interested in the technology um, and probably invest some of their own money personally um, but when it comes to their fiduciary duty or their their requirement, or um, as a trustee or board member, those obligations come um, come first. And so, when they're looking at allocating money, crypto assets so far um, haven't been in line with with uh, their expectations or, or requirements for managing that money.
2: I think my my experience has been pretty similar to that, Lizzie. I've I've presented now to to clients all all, all over the world on on cryptocurrency. I still have yet to to meet a one that's sort of seriously considering going in. The thing that's very interesting when you present on uh, crypto assets is that you definitely get a lot of questions at the at the end of the presentation. People seem a sort of much more lively and, and engaged than usual, and indeed, so sometimes you 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 have to cut cut questions off if if, if you want to s- stick to the the meeting agenda, even if you've really left quite a lot of room room on the agenda for questions.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm afraid we're sort of coming to an end. So I'm going to try and summarise, I think, what we've heard is that obviously a vast amount of money... Uh, has gone into cryptocurrencies, uh, and then more recently into the DeFi sector. And the DeFi sector is aiming to transform the financial sector, um, you know, potentially even to replace it, but certainly to operate in in parallel uh, and to operate outside the uh, uh, sort of traditional finance sector. Um, I think that uh, uh, the view is that, you know, Matt and Lizzie have been saying that there are some areas of uh, finance where there is scope for DeFi applications to to dominate uh, over time. Um, but there are, you know, significant worries around issues around regulation um, and whether uh, uh, existing businesses will 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 be able to out compete uh, these DeFi DeFi entrants. Now, I think I'll leave the first, sorry, the first, the final word with you, Lizzie. Uh, and if you could possibly set out Mercer's formal position. Um, that uh, uh, we in our wisdom um, have have come up with. Do we advise clients to invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies?
1: Thanks, Rupert. I think, as I mentioned, we continue to monitor this quite closely um, because it is quite a rapidly evolving landscape. I think so much has happened in the past three years, let alone the past decade. Look at Bitcoin, but also the technological development and then, but I guess at the moment, we've kept our view to clients pretty clear due to a lot of these non-standard risks, particularly the regulation that we've been speaking about, as well as a number of the responsible investment issues around energy consumption. We are not viewing um, crypto assets as being an investable asset for institutional clients
0: well, and thank you very much for that, Lizzie. And thank you very much to you, Matt, as well. And uh, most importantly, thank you to you, the, the listener, for joining us. Uh, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to discuss anything we've addressed today, speak to one of our team, or if you'd like to speak or us to speak on a particular topic on a subsequent podcast, please email us at ctci at mercer.com. So that's ctci at mercer.com. To keep up to date on our views on digital assets, please visit wwwmercercom forward slash digital hyphen assets. So mercer.com forward slash digital hyphen assets. Thank you.
1: This content is for institutional investors and information purposes only. It does not contain investment, financial, legal, tax, or any other advice and should not be relied upon for this purpose. The Materials are not tailored to your particular personal and or financial position. If you require advice based on your specific circumstances, you should contact a professional advisor. Investing in cryptocurrency carries significant risks that should be considered prior to investing. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers as of the date of publication, are subject to change without notice and do not necessarily reflect Mercer's opinions. Statistics quoted have not been specifically verified by Mercer and are likely to change given the volatility of the cryptocurrency markets.